When it comes to digital transformation, how is it changing the industry? What is the demand? What are customers looking for? And what are some approaches to these projects? What are some trends we're seeing in machine learning, security, accessibility, new technologies, and greenfield projects? This is Inductive Conversations with our host, Kevin McCleskey, speaking with our guests, Todd Ebright and Nate Kay from Martin CSI. All right, folks, welcome to Inductive Conversations. Uh, my name is Kevin McCluskey. I'm co-director of sales engineering over here at Inductive Automation. And when I first heard about your company, it was actually about five years ago when you ended up winning your first firebrand with Inductive Automation for a simulation project. Um, and since then, I know that you've done a lot of good work with Ignition and with Inductive Automation. And we obviously have a great relationship, which is why we're talking to you right now. Do you want to tell the audience just a little bit about Martin CSI, um, who you are? And then maybe we could hop in and start talking a little bit about that first project uh, and what you've been doing since then. Yeah, so Martin Controls, we're a platform independent control system integrator, Central Ohio. We work with manufacturers, OEMs from a variety of industries, and they've entrusted us with some of their most demanding automation projects for over 25 years now. Some of our services include automation and controls, process controls, robotics, machine vision, control panel design, machine safety, and of course, industry 4.0, industrial internet of things. So we really invest heavily in getting to know our clients, their processes and their challenges to build long-term relationships and really to focus on delivering high quality solutions that allow our customers to continue to grow and increase their productivity. It occurs to me that we should probably give real quick introductions for, for each one of you as well. So I could introduce you, but I feel like you would do better job introducing yourself. So Todd, maybe we start with you and then uh, Nate, jump after. Yeah, great. So I'm a staff engineer from our controls. I've been with the company, I think it's been 10 years uh, this past August. I started in the automotive industry with a research facility and found out I wasn't a big fan of it. Jumped out of there, got into controls and I've been stuck doing it for 10 years now. And I was one of the award winners of your firebrand at the ICC. Yeah, it's been so many years from that, but we've we've been missing out in the ICC, you know, not being able to go back to that and yeah. <laughs> too long. <laughs> yeah, with the state of the world right now, right? I know people will be listening to this in uh, two or three or five years from now, but I'm, I'm sure no one will have forgotten about uh, what 2020, 2021 have looked like. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks for the quick intro there, uh, Todd. Nate, over to you. So I've been with Martin Controls, I think for about 16 years now. So I'm a senior project engineer and a professional engineer, and I kind of have a strong interest in uh, bringing some of the newest technologies into what we do, a strong interest in kind of the internet of things, industry 4.0, and of course, ignition and being able to use that to really help take our applications to the next level for our customers. And in terms of getting there, of course, uh, I know that the project that you won the Firebrand Award for wasn't your first controls project that you as a company have ever done. Um, far from it. Uh, you've had a lot of experience and it controls in general for a really long time. Maybe do you want to start talking about your ignition journey a little bit? Uh, and for 
everyone who's listening to this, uh, take a look at the description. You can find the link over to their award-winning project in that description. Do one of you want to talk a little bit about that? Since Todd, you were involved in that directly, do you want to talk a little bit and, and maybe share what that project was about and uh, what made it interesting? Yeah, so I want to say, I think that project was one of the first ones where we were heavily involved with you know, creating some of the ground up as far as ignition. So we had a, we had a customer and they work with a lot with the military and they were looking for an application or a solution to improve their training process. What they used to do is they go in person, they'd set up a, it was a water treatment, almost like a drop box. They would drop it, you know, wherever they're, they're getting stationed that would provide clean, sustainable water, whether they use it for drinking, uh, doing laundry. But what they were finding is they had a lot more students and not enough equipment. So we, we're asked to come up with a solution for how do we make a better uh, application to be able to help train, you know, their students and, you know, what approach we take. And I, that's where we actually came in. We're like, well, ignition would be a great fit because, you know, just the capabilities of what we could do with it. So we were able to take a PLC system, simulate it all on your guys' platform, and then interface it in a way that you could see what the machine looked like. So it was a very graphic intensive project. We went through, set up several screens where, you know, it would show this system and this, this system incorporated, you know, you had pumps, fans, there's tons of switches, there was a control box. And we set up in a way where, you know, we had two screens. One was actually a control panel. I mean, it had lights, buttons, you could open it up and see the, the guts of it. So the idea with that was, you know, we wanted to give them stuff that they could, you know, physically see, you know, compare it to the real world. So Ignition was a great application solution for this because, you know, vector graphics was the big thing. Your guys' platform is just so flexible with, you know, images. So we were able to redraw, you know, create objects that look like the real world, you know, what they were. And then, you know, as far as the functionality, I mean, it was almost endless, which can also be a problem. Our customer had so many big ideas that they were like, can we do this? Can we do this? So it ended up being a great project with Ignition. I think when it was all said and done, they have now a standalone application with two. There's a, a big television that kind of has like an overview of this, uh, the water treatment system. And then you have another screen that has like a control panel that you inter, you know interact with. But from what I've heard, the, the students have loved it. They've incorporated manuals into it, quizzes. So thanks to the flexibility of Ignition, we were able to do a lot of stuff. Whereas most SCADA systems, HMIs, you couldn't do what your guys' you know, application can do. So it was a fun project. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what I hear is that it's still running today then. So this is something five years ago. They're still using it. It's still uh, something that's valuable for them. You've continued to add features to it or, or they have over time? I think uh, it's it's slowed down. But when we first got the, the project installed, that was one of the things that what was nice was they would ask for support or any sort of changes. And it was really easy to deploy those changes, which was nice. So I think, as I know today, they're, they're still using it. And I think other, I think it originally was installed at one of the bases. And then they've since, I think, have purchased more units that they're using at other bases, you know, around the U.S. Cool. So so maybe, Nate, let me bounce over to you. And uh, if you wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that you've done since then. So five years is a long time in this industry. And I know that you've you've evolved and there's some pretty cool projects that you're working on today that we'll, we'll talk about a little bit in a minute here. But do you want to spell us in a little bit on the last five years of Martin CSI? Yeah, so we've had some interesting projects since then to work on. And I think some of what we're going to be talking about is the digital transformation 
being able to use ignition uh, perspective to really kind of take it to the next level beyond the typical SCADA system, the traditional you know plant controls control room, but really taking ignition you know to the end user, making mobile apps, apps that can run on phones and iPads, and even bringing it into the cloud and you know, really that's some of the exciting trends that we're seeing and some of the really cool things that we're able to do now. Along those lines, um, let me ask you a question that I like to ask folks in general. Uh, we like to keep our ear to the ground here at Inductive Automation, and we're involved in a lot of digital transformation for a lot of different companies at this point. When digital transformation came around back a few years ago, it was the latest uh, phrase, but now it actually has some teeth. It means, it means a lot. It means taking your data, putting it somewhere central, being able to access it, analyze it visualize it, um, being able to unlock a lot of the things that are that are at the edge. And it's very tied to industry 4.0, industrial internet of things, those types of things. At least that's uh, what most of our customers have mentioned about what it means to them. Um, but I'm interested specifically in what that means to you. Uh, what, what is digital transformation from your point of view? Um, how has it changed the industry and how is it changing how uh, Martin Controls is approaching some of these projects. And, you know, is that is that driven from the customers or is that uh, something that you're leading with as a as thought leadership to companies who might not be as forward thinking or is it a combination of those? I know I threw a lot of questions at you at once. Yeah, I'd say it's probably a combination. There's a lot of buzz excitement around digital transformation. So sometimes customers come to us with a you know, this is a digital transformation project. Other times they come to us looking for the best solution. And usually the best solution involves some component of digital transformation. At times we have other customers that we get asked quite a bit, well, I can do this on my phone. I can have this app running on my phone. I can access this in the cloud. So why can't I do the same thing on my my HMI, my industrial you know control device? So Really, it's all those different aspects that you mentioned. Being able to take data, incorporate edge devices, get the data into a central location, uh, whether it's on the business side or the cloud. And then once that data is there, really aggregate it across a single plan, across multiple plants, which then opens up a whole range of analysis to, to compare that data to different data sets and really dig into it to, to figure out how that can be used to improve efficiency and really the the whole manufacturing process. I was going to add that I think, you know, with your question about, you know, does a customer, are they looking for input? A lot of times as an integrator, we suggest a lot of things. And I think that's happening a lot too, where a lot of companies are stuck in their old ways. You know, they're, they're used to a panel with stuff that doesn't display a lot of information. And, you know, that's where we can come in with like, you know, an ignition and say, hey, you know, you have accessibility to data. And I think a lot of times they just don't know what's out there. I think Nate, you know, he can attest to this. We've been on a lot of job sites where they'll be looking for a SCADA system that does reporting. You know, it might involve multiple apps. And they're like, well, I want to do this, this, and this. And we'll be like, well, if you throw an ignition, you know, we can get all your data, one central u- unit. We're not having to use like a concentrator, you know, you don't necessarily need to throw in like a Kepware. But it's a lot of it. They just don't know what they're looking for. So we definitely help in guiding that. And, you know, the flexibility of the application, I think as far as the edge, it's, it's made it a lot easier, you know. So how, from your point of view, then, how, how big is the demand that you actually see in regards to digital transformation or 
digitalization? I'd say it's a pretty big demand. Sometimes without even, I guess, realizing at the outset that is the demand. For example, a lot of our projects now, they're required to interface in some way with an ERP or an MES system mm-hmm. or to provide remote access. And when the customers approach us, they may not even realize at first that this is a digital transformation project. But really, when you dig into it, when you have to um, tie all these different systems together and really accomplish their objective, it seems like most projects now in some way deal with the digital transformation or the core technology set that's part of it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What would you say some of the important trends are that you've seen across your different customers? Uh, would digital transformation be the main one? And uh, if so, would you would you break that down into separate subcategories? Is there anything else that you've been seeing that's interesting to you as well? I say there's a couple trends that we've been seeing. We've been seeing an increased focus on safety, both the machine and process side. Uh, we've seen a trend towards machine vision applications and those becoming more complex. With that additional complexity, we're able to use digital transformation technologies to kind of tie that together. And then, of course, as you touched on, the digital transformation itself is a major trend. There's a lot of aspects to that, but it's definitely something we're seeing pick up momentum and customers becoming more aware of and wanting incorporated um, into their projects. Yeah, I also think accessibility has been really big. Oftentimes we'll be on a plant and you'll see they're wanting to get access to more information. Whereas before you just couldn't do that. So, you know, there's a lot more that we can get from a system, you know, whether it's putting up a big screen out on your plant floor that shows machines running, you know, 10, 20 years ago, that was not really an option. You know, a lot of stuff was kind of stuck on the processor. So now, you know, they're on the, you know, the cloud it's, there's plant networks, enterprise networks where people are wanting to get access to stuff. And, you know, you brought up the whole thing with like technology, cell phones, people are so used to that outside of their jobs that I think it's trickled into our industry, you know, so they're wanting more information. So I know that's a big thing that we see. It's just, Hey, how do I get this information? I want to do this report and you can get that information now with the technology that we're seeing. Yeah. And then to kind of short tell what Todd said there, in addition to accessibility and data, really customers are finding it's easier now than ever to store and organize large uh, sets of data. So one of the trends we're seeing now is really a big push to understand how to take that data, um, how to analyze the data, how to use newer technologies like machine learning to really get meaningful results out of it. And that's really, really a trend that a lot of companies seem willing to dig into and really want to want to figure out. I have a particular, personally, a particular interest in machine learning. I've actually worked with a lot of different integrators who are enabling that in different ways, whether that's integrating with cloud services uh, that are doing those or connecting to Python libraries or TensorFlow or Scikit-Learn or doing it directly inside Ignition with the dozen algorithms that exist inside Ignition's Python. But yeah, it's, it's great to hear that a lot of the things that you're saying line up almost perfectly with what we're experiencing. I've had more conversations with folks about visualization systems, about uh, actual vision systems, machine machine vision, uh, and getting results from those uh, in the last six months than I've had probably in the, the previous three years before that. So it does seem to be increasing pretty significantly. I think a lot of that is the machine learning aspects and the fact that 
these systems are so much better these days than they used to be where a vision system can identify a whole slew of things. It's much better at identifying uh, rejects or even things that might be possible problems along the line, uh, going down the line that might affect your overall production. Even before the meeting today, or our meeting right now that we're having, we had a meeting with a major player in machine vision. So one thing we were talking about is using like neural networks and AI in vision applications. And really what it's being able to do now is make things that were difficult with the vision technology five years ago, where you'd have to teach, use a tool to teach it something, just making those type of applications more accessible, more easier, a little bit easier to work with, just putting them a little more within reach to do more complicated things with machine vision by, by really leveraging that, that machine learning aspect. Yeah, yeah, that's right in line with the things that we're seeing too. Um, And it's really great because some of these technologies, as you said, they didn't exist five years ago. And so it's taking really hard problems that when you think about it are really hard problems um, and basically democratizing the technology, making it so that it's a lot more accessible to folks who don't have you know, hours or days or weeks or, or months to devote to someone training these, going through creating, you know, hundreds or thousands of different uh, images that it's going to be able to use for these things and, and applying some of these models that are, are generated. Yeah, and, and neural networks are, are a crazy black box of technology that are, they're just amazing. And if you ever have a chance to peek behind the hoods, and this is just for the listeners here, I'm guessing that uh, you folks already have uh, Todd and Nate, but if you ever have a chance to take a look at how neural networks actually work behind the scenes, it's just mind blowing because they're really, pardon the term, but they're really dumb. They They don't really understand anything, but they're just so massive that they connect things in a way that we mere humans can't really understand. But they iterate so many times that it ends up creating these pathways and they're called neural nets because it's, you know, similar to how our brains work, at least in theory. Um, no one really knows exactly, but yeah, they, they're wild. Yeah. Like you're saying, it's really, it's really amazing. You get these kind of really complex results out of them that if you just sat down with code and wrote some algorithms, you could not even get close to um, yeah. just by taking that neural network and training it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love seeing what people are doing with them these days. It's easier on on validated systems and things that you have to have that traceability to use things like for machine learning, the, the regression algorithms or, you know, clustering or, or things like that, k-means and all that, because then you can actually have a, a trace back if there's an instant of exactly what happened. These neural networks, uh, you, <laughs> there's no way you're going to be able to understand exactly uh, what happened inside them. Um, but at the same time, they're super useful. And even if they're 98, 99, 99.9% accurate, if you're applying it to the right process where you don't have to have exactly 100% accuracy for these things, it can improve processes tremendously. So anyway, I love talking about that uh, clearly, but let me jump over to a little bit more here. So I've hinted at it a few times through this conversation that we've been having. But you have a a recent project that I've been impressed with, uh, and I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit. It embodies a lot of the good work that you're doing with Industry 4.0, Digital Transformation, IOT. 
So maybe you can uh, break that down, share a little bit of that, share a little bit about the, the architecture and the hardware and, and uh, maybe even start out with what it is and uh, why it's exciting. Yeah, it's a pretty exciting project incorporating edge technologies and of course, inductive automation and Opto 22, really to produce something that we could offer to our customers as a off the shelf kind of product um, that would really meet the diverse needs of our diverse customers. Again, it goes into the benefits of an edge device. Um, some of the benefits we see is that the edge device can provide a clean and secure interface between the industrial control devices on the plant floor and also between the cloud, between the business enterprise system. But they can do more than that even. It allows us to do data collection. It allows us to have devices perform what they're best at. For example, it can free up the industrial controls devices to focus on controlling the critical processes. It allows the SCADA system to really focus on what it does best and then take that middle ground technology there and put it in the edge device, which can do things like data management, protocol conversion, analytics, and, and really so much more. So with that being said, we have an in-house project to basically take an Epic and a Rio and run Ignition on it to create that edge device. For folks who don't know what those are, those are two Opto22 devices, right? Yep. Correct. Yeah. What's really interesting is, or really cool about it, is they come, I believe now, with even Ignition pre-installed on it. So it's a matter of toggling a button and you have Ignition on your device. Yeah, we, we worked with them hand in hand for a number of years and uh, yeah, it was particularly exciting when the, well, originally when the Groove Epic got Ignition pre-installed, but then more recently when the Rio had a bit of a hardware refresh and update with a little bit more horsepower and then having Ignition pre-installed on the Rio, this small remote IO device that has all this configurable IO and it's just out of the box running Ignition right there for you. Yeah, it's all inclusive, which is is a big selling point now to customers. That's the way technology is expanding. It's it's nice that all these great things are coming, you know, into one little package that is easy to work with. Yeah, exactly. Before where you'd have to go out and purchase yeah. <laughs> uh, like a protocol converter, industrial PC, a touch screen, even a PLC you can put all that into one device now, which makes it simpler, a more elegant solution, more cost effective. And like Todd was saying there, even with the space, the physical space that it takes up, it's a much smaller footprint. So what we're seeing is that projects that were a little bit out of reach there before because of cost, complexity, or just available space to put everything, it really opens up new opportunities, you know, for those projects now. Yeah. And I, I'll say the, and to add to that, the biggest thing, you know, is as far as like hardware and IO, I mean, with the Opto 22 stuff, I mean, you can drop those things. It's connectivity, Ethernet. It's such an easy sell of a package. Whereas, yeah, you used to have to like spec out equipment. And it's nice now, especially as, you know, I feel like a younger engineer starting in this industry, like it has come a long way as far as, you know, what is out there as far as offerings. You were saying earlier, Kevin, one of the nice features is that maybe at one time to create a system like this, you'd have to go into writing source code, really get into the weeds of all that. Well, now with Ignition, Opto 22, like Todd was saying, the pairing of the technology, it's really simple to do, but being simple isn't a drawback because that allows us as engineers to really focus on taking the, the application to the next level and really leveraging that, that simplicity to 
create some really advanced and helpful projects. Great. So I want to hear a little bit more about this project in particular. So I know that you might not be able to share all the details, but can you uh, can you tell us what it is? Maybe who's it for? If you can't say who's it for, uh, can you just uh, tell us a little bit about the application itself and what the what the outcomes are? Yeah. So in a lot of ways, the product we're designing or have built it's designed in some ways to be a Swiss Army knife of edge devices. So we have a wireless component built into it. So we actually have a battery pack where I'm running a Rio on wireless from the battery pack and I've got some sensors connected to it. So having one device like the Rio, you can mix and match different sensors, analog and discrete inputs and outputs. So you don't need to have um, you know, a traditional PLC with a rack of IO cards. You can have one device that does all that. Um, some of the things we have running is we have um, course ignition running on it. We've got a database running on it as well. So we can do data collection. We can use it as a protocol converter to, and also to read data from a variety of PLCs. Uh, we're able to bake Node-RED into it to use Node-RED to help with some of that. And of course, inductive automation using the ignition gateway and ignition edge to really help provide some visualization and, and leverage some of those features to, uh, to accomplish that. And that's kind of the plant floor facing side. The other aspect to this is the cloud facing side of it. So it's designed to provide a clean, clear interface to the cloud, whether it's, um, oh, there's different, of course, vendors out there with Amazon Web Services and others, but really it's designed to be a multi-interface compatible. So if a customer wants to set up a cloud application, our device could communicate with it and interface with a variety of protocols. Of course, MQTT is being one of the, the leading protocols now for, for that type of application. I know it was probably a scattershot there, of, but... Um, yeah, we're really yeah. trying to design the most flexible, uh, really flexible edge device that we could use to meet a variety of um, applications. Sure, sure. So what you ended up creating with all this isn't just for this particular project or this particular customer that I was thinking of, um, but this is more general purpose for anyone who's approaching you saying, we're looking at digital transformation. We want to run something locally uh, in different, uh, let's say, different vehicles or different remote sites or different, you know, data collection from um, areas that might all be coming up to a central location. Is that accurate? Yep. Yeah, that's accurate. Exactly. And then the mindset behind that too is uh, making it very general from the start. Now we're able to quickly take it and tailor it to specific applications, specific customers as needed as well. So if they have something really specific or really um, a certain requirement that we need to meet, then we could take that generalized product and use an ignition, Opto22, really tailor it down to meet their exact needs also. What hurdles have you had along the way with trying to get this in place? Um, I know... We often think of these great technologies and it's all, you know, butterflies and rainbows, right? It's all, you know, it's, it's all here now, right? And so it must be easy. But, you know, I've, I worked uh, for a systems integrator before coming over to inductive automation. I know that, that things are never without hurdles and without roadblocks along the way. Uh, can you share a couple of things that maybe you ran into and how you got around them? I'd say a couple of things are... Uh, really starting off with a good um, definition of what we're trying to accomplish. A lot of times with these types of projects, as they expand, as the number 
as the interest in it grows, the scope of the project grows. So really to, to define what our core objective is that we want to accomplish, once we meet that objective, add on additional features to it. Sometimes it seems like with these projects, they can balloon almost too quickly. If we can keep it focused on a couple specific objectives and meet those, then we can take that and build upon it. Another hurdle I'd say comes with uh, networking. For some manufacturers have you know standalone machinery and the network on the business or cloud side doesn't really reach down into the plant floor, but we've been able to leverage technologies like uh, Wi-Fi access points, NAT routers, cellular modems, and even VPN tunnels to really uh, use this host of IT technologies to tie the plant floor together with the business and the cloud side. Yeah, we had a we had Tossy Box on one of these. We've had a relationship with Ewan, and we have a number of folks who are using some of these VPN tunnels. Are you using any of those inside your applications? We've used Ewan's before. It's I think it's always a struggle with IT and bridging that gap. You know, trying to convince them that what we're putting on their network isn't a problem. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, sometimes folks don't want a separate tunnel going into their networks. Right. Yeah. And like, like Todd was saying, you know, vendors like Ewan and some of the ones you've mentioned, they do make it easy for us because they have a very thorough documentation on their products, how they work, the security protocols implemented. So that is a big help. Yeah. Great. Um, just out of curiosity, are you seeing many folks who are doing private cellular networks as well? We see that, especially in the oil and gas industry, I've seen that a number of times and a little bit in the water wastewater. But I, have you seen much in the projects that you're doing where folks are interested in doing that to basically have their own private network that's able to connect over cellular? So you've got another path that is a secure communication path up to a central provider, but it doesn't have access to the internet. It's just basically another VPN tunnel from their network. I'd say like you said, Kevin, the biggest place we're seeing that is in the oil and gas industry, although we're starting to look at ways to use it for OEM machinery. Um, sometimes you have a variety of OEM machinery spread around, it may even be embedded in different customers that have different internet standards. So that's one thing we're looking at now is to really put some kind of cellular modem on these OEM machines so that we can all get them to talk easily to the cloud. Uh, I was at a job site recently that did an enterprise network actually with your guys' stuff, and they were trying to access their floor data, but, you know, obviously keep it isolated. And I think that's, that's a big thing. People are looking for solutions, you know, and I, I know, Nate, we've run into trying to install like Wi-Fi, and I think there's a hesitancy where people, they're just not used to that technology on a plant floor. And I think that's a hurdle of just you know, this is what's out there now. It's proven. I mean, even Ethernet for the longest time, I think people were afraid of. So it, it's definitely still a challenge. But I think a lot of stuff, especially with what Nate's doing, that's a nice showcase piece. You know, you can show that. It's very easy, you know, a lot easier to implement, which I think is helping as well, you know, to wrap around people's heads like, hey, this is something we can do now. Yeah, it's been interesting to me. I've actually seen a little more comfort with the cellular technologies uh, and with Wi-Fi, I've, I've talked to some companies who say we're not going to do Wi-Fi on the plant floor, but we do occasionally allow cellular connectivity up from a specific PLC um, out to a private cellular network because we want to bridge that gap and do it in a way that we know that there's heavy security protocols that are in place for encrypting the communication. And Wi-Fi, I think, has had a past of 
a bad rep when it comes to security over the years. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's, I think, another benefit that edge devices bring. It's easy to take a black box edge device and show the customer that we're using this to monitor and collect data, but there's really no possibility that this could in any way interfere with the existing process or your existing PLC. And when you have an edge device built that way, it's easier to build that confidence to to get things like Wi-Fi and cellular modems connected to it. Yeah, this makes me think we just had a, an incident with a customer. It wasn't us, but they had a, a security breach with somebody plugging in a USB drive, you know, and if, if they had set up a network system with security in mind, I mean, that's something that I don't know if they could have avoided it, but yeah, security, it's a, it's a big thing. And I think that's a lot of things that people don't, I think, think about sometimes with their networking. Yeah, yeah, certainly. <laughs> you know, we've had entire webinars on security. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, a, it's a complex topic. There are so many layers where it, we at Inductive Automation have a, a big focus on security uh, when it comes to Ignition and the SCADA, IoT, um, MES, HMI side of things. But as you said, there's a, there's a whole additional layer that folks absolutely have to focus on. And normally it's an IT department that's going to be focusing on those things. But having an integrator who also is security minded certainly helps with the company's posture. Yeah, just this morning, I opened up my inbox and had a question from a customer about the log4j vulnerability. I was able to, <laughs> to assure them that inductive automation ignition is not any way impacted by that. Yeah, and if, if any of the listeners are wondering about that, there's an article that's posted on our website. But yeah, that's uh, that's been something we've been getting a lot of traffic about. Luckily, our developers made decisions that put us in a place that we didn't have any reliance on that, on any of the vulnerable libraries there, the versions. It, it didn't affect us at all, but it's uh, it's something that's affected a lot, a lot of things that are out there. Let me ask you a couple more questions here. So with these new projects, uh, have you taken advantage of the perspective module? Uh, and if you have, have you seen any advantages of it versus vision? Um, is it something that you're rolling out for a number of new projects? Or are you doing a mixture of the two? I'd say one of our recent projects, we just used perspective for an oil and gas application. Mm -hmm. um, it was for mobile data collection. Of course, some of the benefits there are that you know, the customer really like, they can run it on a whole suite of mobile devices. It doesn't have to be the traditional uh, standalone or traditional computer. And then, you know, the speed, the efficiency, just the look and feel of the screens. But also one of the cool things we're able to take advantage of or start to take advantage of is now that you can take perspective, run it on mobile devices. Now you can access things like accelerometers, GPS, so now it opens up a whole other data set and a whole other um, set of possibilities to create some some apps that customers really find useful. Yeah, I, th I think a lot of people are still enjoying Vision, um, but it's nice that, you know, with version 8, you can have the option with perspective. I know we've got a couple of job sites that we've installed, you know, the software, and it, it's, it's an option, which I think is a big thing, because I think a lot of times, too, our customers don't know what they want. And so it's kind of, we put it out there, you know, and... I think there was one plant we're working with where they've got a new area that they're installing and, you know, they're talking about all these things that they want. It's, you know, perspective is going to be a good fit where they're wanting to access, you know, some data on some bins that they're unloading, but to be able to get to it remotely, it's, it's definitely one that people are, they're learning about and wanting to start using. So vision's still going strong with a lot of the stuff that we do. And I think perspective, you know, we're getting it out there. 
When we talked to David Greenfield with Automation World in our previous podcast, uh, he said that companies are not specifically looking for technologies, but they're really looking for solutions to help produce goods. That's a message that we've heard from other folks as well. From your perspective, are you finding that customers are looking to you to recommend technologies? We run into a lot with customers that don't know what to look for. And so I know as an integrator, we give a lot of recommendations. And I think between Nate and I, Ignition's often recommended just for ease of use and then the ability to deploy it quickly. And many companies don't even know that Ignition exists, which at this point I feel like is surprising just for you know what you guys offer. And I know you know when you compare it to like a, a Rockwell panel view and they're like, hey, I want to send an email. You know, There's a lot of things that you can do, but it's more clunky. Or then you got Ignition, you're like, yeah, we can absolutely do that. And it's it's less headache on, you know, an integrator, whereas many other machines and, you know, hardware, it's... And, and you're not just saying that because you're talking to me right now. Right? No, it's... <laughs> your guys' product has been one, at least with in my 10 years in the industry, that doesn't feel old and dated, you know, and it's... The capabilities on it are always, always impressive. So it's it's an easy sell. And I think that's something that, you know, with technology, customers don't know what they're looking for. And it's... It's nice when you say, hey, I've got ignition and these are the things you can do with it. And, you know, their jaw drops. Like Todd was saying there, that we find the customers often come to us looking for the solution. And then at that point, we can really, once we show them the solution, here's how we can do it, really dive under the hood and show them the technology and the software. And of course, inductive automation is a key component of that. What you just said is music to my ears. Thanks for sharing that. So let me ask a couple of uh, final questions here. I am curious about a little bit more, and this this comes to trends a little bit. With the projects that come to you, what would you say on average the stages that these projects are at in terms of a company's digital transformation and also Greenfield versus Brownfield? Um, Are you encountering much Greenfield these days? Is most of it Brownfield? And uh, what does that look like in terms of how you approach these projects? I'd say sometimes we get the projects to build a brand new system, large system from the ground up. Many projects involve upgrading existing, even maybe outdated technologies. But these upgrade projects really, like we were talking about earlier, provide us an opportunity not just to upgrade, but to improve on what's there and recommend new technology. And then we also have a projects that are to take what's there, but really to expand on or improve it. So with that being said, I'd say that maybe most of our projects are brownfield in the sense that they build on something that's already in place, but they're not limited to that brownfield because we can really then take it to the next level to um, expand on, improve, to upgrade what's there. And a lot of times by the end, uh, by the time the project's over, it resembles more of a greenfield project. Yeah, I was going to add, as far as the brownfield, I think we see a lot of that where a lot of customers have existing systems and they're adding, you know, whether it's to the building, new, you know, machines, and then they've got frustrations. And I think that's where we come in with an application upgrade with an ignition. And it's something where it's very easy to add to what they have existing. And I've seen a few facilities that we've pitched to companies that exist that are, you know, starting a new plant and they're like, we'd like to use ignition as from the ground up. But I think a lot of it's brownfield. I mean, it's, it's incorporating what's there and making it better. I mean, you got a lot of standalone machines that go into a plant. And then we're constantly adding functionality to it. So I see that we're revising stuff a lot. 
So thank you so much. I wanted to give you the opportunity. Um, if there's anything else that you would like to add, you would like to leave our audience with here, any messages about the industry or what you found interesting or any advice or just really anything that you wanted to share with the community right now. When it comes to what we've been talking about, digitization, industry 4.0, it's really encouraging to see these trends continue to grow. Uh, these trends are here to stay. Now, these terms and technology can really cover a wide array of technology and opportunities as well. Because they're so broad and there's so much talk and even enthusiasm about it, sometimes we encounter either maybe unrealistically low or high expectations of what some expect to see from the digital transformation. But really, that trend is here to stay, and it's encouraging to see companies like Inductive Automation, who really have a solid grasp and are working on the forefront of these technologies to continue not only to just develop the technology, but to really help the end users unlock their full potential. Yeah, and to close, just to add with what Nate said, I think what's really exciting, I think we're in a time where a lot of our limitations as far as what we can provide to a customer are starting to become, you know, diminish thanks to stuff, you know, like ignition and our capabilities are obviously a lot greater. So, you know, when someone asks you something, it's not, Hey, how do I, how do I do it? Go about implementing this. You know, people want information. They want data. Yeah. It's not going away. The, the trend's not leaving us and, you know, we're not limited now as far as, you know, ignition is a platform that's going to be out there and, and keep growing, you know, keep learning. It's not, it's not a challenge to use the software. Well, we've, uh, we've, Certainly heard a lot from you about digital transformation, about trends in the industry, about how things are moving, how things are moving for you. And I think that a lot of that probably is resonating with folks who are listening to this right now. Absolutely appreciate you being here. Appreciate you joining for this podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Todd, Nate. Your expertise is much appreciated here. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having us. Appreciate the opportunity. Hey listeners, this is a quick reminder to subscribe to our podcast if you're enjoying the conversations. Also, if you have a topic or a question you'd like us to cover, or if you're interested in being a guest on a future episode, then please send your inquiries to podcast at inductiveautomation.com.